Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the Portland Business Podcast. This is Brian, and really just want to say thanks for tuning in. I get a lot of positive feedback that you enjoy and appreciate my podcast. And if you don't like it, feel free to shoot me a message. Give me some tips of how I can make it a better experience for you, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll look at uh, applying that that feedback. So my apologies first for not having an episode in a while. I've had a couple of no-show guests. I've had a stage fright, and then uh, things have just been a bit odd. But today, I hopefully, have some really good stuff for you. I had someone reach out to me. We had a conversation yesterday, and after the conversation, I reached out and asked him to do a podcast with me and kind of recreate the conversation. I really wish I would have recorded it, but there's my my failure and, and lack of preparation. And what we want to get across here today is things you can do to improve the quality of your Zoom meeting and how you can create content in this new found downtime. So listen to the whole episode. There's some great tips to aid you in better prospecting, tools to ha- have that prospecting become smoother while you're creating content. We'll talk about taking the ping pong email game out of scheduling using Calendly and a couple of plugins with Calendly, what you can do to avoid time vampires, lighting and camera position to improve the look of your Zoom meeting, create a really engaging meeting that somebody isn't, you may not, not catch it, but visually you may have a better time. Your 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 meeting may go better if it looks better. Um, tools you can use on how you you can research and know what your audience wants to see. So as you're creating that content, it's better content. It's more engaging. It's already what they want to see. And email hooks you can use in your subject to get better opens. So without further ado, this trailer is over and we're in the show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Portland Business Podcast. I am Brian E., your seemingly intelligent, always funny host. Joining me today is my pal, Darren Smith. We had a, uh, a short exchange online after, what, after a, a social post I made or what? Oh, Strava. Instagram. Instagram. I yeah. asked you about your, uh, your, your ride and I, you showed, sent me to Strava and then uh, we chatted on so uh, Instagram. Yeah. So Darren, um, since nobody else here was part of that conversation, give me the short recap of, of what we chatted about and why we're talking today. Well, mostly we talked about uh, my inability to use social media um, <laughs> at, at this time. I mean, social media to me is Instagram, Facebook, and that sort of thing. But because of this, uh, uh, well, our lockdown, we've been using LinkedIn quite a bit for um, you know, trying to reach out to customers, um, just getting some uh, information out there. And so we talked about uh, virtual meetings. We talked about social media posting and the, yeah. you know, the lighting. And I, again, I got that <laughs> right this time. <laughs> yes. So uh, Darren and I had a short conversation. And after that, I said, you know, this would actually be some really good content for the general audience. So what we're going to chat about today is what can you do in the shift of our environment to do a few things? Number one, make your meetings better. Like that's step one. Step two, get more meetings, right? Because that's what the biggest challenge people are having is when you're, when the environment or the 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 society has removed your ability to call someone up or pop in their office, um, it changes the game. Like this has been a game changer for everybody. So one of the, one of the, the things Darren noticed or commented on, or we're all doing is Zoom. We're all using a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, it may be through GoToMeeting is another popular format. Darren, do you guys use a proprietary one internally or something different? Internally, we use Teams. Uh, I'm using my personal Microsoft. computer for a Zoom meeting. Um, oh, that's and, me. That's uh, my fault. I'm, I'm making him Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. No, but I'm using my personal computer for that. It's probably a better camera anyway than my uh, uh, whatever this thing is, a Dell. Anyway, um, yeah. It, uh, Go ahead. So do you, do you guys use Teams internally? When you have a meeting with a, with a prospect or a client, do you use Zoom or do you use a different product? Uh, we've been using Teams. I'm, okay. I send a, you don't have to have, you know, being part of our, our inner circle to use Teams. I can send you a link just like you did for me for the Zoom meeting yeah. and um, they log on, they can use the internet. We found out though, using Apple products, um, and if you're use, not using Chrome, Mm-hmm. makes it a little harder correct um but that was something that they figured out and and uh, we got an email about that so if anybody's using apple products we ask them to use chrome on uh, instead of safari yeah i think a lot of a lot of apple users shift to using chrome i mean safari is super super slick if you're an apple user but there's so many things that it doesn't do depending on your work environment that chrome does chrome's pretty universal uh, and it's a good way to have apple play well with uh, a Windows environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Tell me about when we scheduled a meeting, I used uh, something I I don't think is very unique, but I get some feedback that people go, oh, that was pretty slick. When we scheduled, um, tell me about that for you. And then I'll tell so you. So you sent me a, calend uh, a Calendly, <laughs> Calendly, is that how you say it? Um, Calendly, yep. Oh, sorry. You And uh, I went on, on board there and you have different um, times and, and, yeah. and types of meetings that you're having. And so uh, to go back on that, I... Uh, I discovered that about three weeks ago and I used their, um, their free part and I just got a notification that it's running out. So yeah. um, it was useful for me. Um, so it's pretty easy to thing. use, pretty handy, pretty straightforward. Yep. Yeah. So yep. if you're, if you're having meetings scheduled or if you ever messaged me, DM me, you'll, you'll usually get this from me as I shoot you a calendar link. There's five, six options in there. I'll, you pick your time. It syncs with my calendar. I really truly put my calendar in the person's hands. Um, I think there's some pros and cons, right? Because what I'm not doing is I'm not giving the giving you the well Tuesday morning or Thursday afternoon kind of a, a appointment close. Um, but I'm also not playing, and this is this is my benefit. Um, I don't like to play meeting ping pong, right? Where you have a message that goes back four, five, six, seven, eight times. <laughs> And you laugh. So mm -hmm. I, this this is tracking accord with reality. Huh? I, I'm laughing because this 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 happened yesterday. Um, I'm trying to coordinate meetings with, uh, 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 I guess we're a vendor for his company, um, mm -hmm. and um, I sent out a blast email yesterday, and I got overwhelming. You know, I think I told you before, uh, last time we talked that I got a um, 350 people on my email list, and I got zero responses. Yes. For this next one that I sent out with some of your tips, um, I got seven responses within an hour nice. of the same group. Nice. And but then I had to, as you said, play ping pong. Yep. Send them uh, or CC them on their email to the guy that's going to do the um, invite, and then he says, "I'll give you this time or this time." So, okay, I'm going to recommend that to him. I'm not sure how well that'll go over with him, but um, yeah. I'm going to suggest that. See if what we can use that instead. One of the things that I've noticed with Calendly, so for the, the audience, and I'll put, a, as always, put some of these links in the show notes of what things we're talking about. Um, Calendly, you sync with your calendar. I use a, a G Suite for my business calendar. So it goes through Gmail. You sync Calendly with your Gmail calendar, and you're really giving your, your calendar over to somebody. They click any time and can see where you're available, where you're not. So what it means, if you see my calendar, it means like I'm going to do a workout today from, I'm going to look right now from uh, 1132. So I've got to put it on my calendar. Otherwise, I'm allowing someone whoever has that link, they could schedule a meeting when I plan on working out. And my only time day to work out is from 1132. So I've got to put it on my calendar that 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 removes the ability for somebody to take that time. But what it does is it removes the ping pong back and forth of me trying to decide where I want to put them in. Right? Um, I found that when I first started doing that, and I started this about two years ago, a lot of people were uncomfortable with that amount of control of my calendar. Like they just found it awkward to, really? yeah, yeah. They, they literally didn't believe they would email me first. Well, I see a spot, you know, Tuesday at, at nine, can I take it? I'm like, yes, please take it. Like <laughs> the whole point of this is to not email me. Um, I tell my friends and my wife that uh, I, I seemingly feel like I won the internet this year when uh, there's a couple of my physicians that we will, um, you know, try to, to schedule appointments or I'll be talking to their, their, their PA um, about getting in to see them. And I just send them the link like, Hey, here, just put me on the doctor's calendar. So I have two doctors that actually will schedule my appointments with the doctor using my calendar link. Wow. You're, yeah. you're taking, you're actually taking control from the doctor, which is unusual. Well, in the I, sense that they, they, they're, you know, you call up, say I got, you know, your, your receptionist will call up and say, I got uh, 9 a.m. on Tuesday or 10 a.m. on Tuesday. You just you hand that over to them yeah. and that makes it easier. I'm like, hey, I'm in a rush. I have a meeting here. I'll, I'll email you a, a link to my calendar. Just schedule me where it fits. And 10 minutes, an hour later, I'll get a little buzz that they scheduled. I'm like, sweet. Awesome. There was no more, you know, oh, ping pong back I, and forth. I'm going to try that. Yeah. I'm it's, not as busy as you are, but um, I'm going to try that. It was my, Mike, I patted myself on the back and I really feel like I won the internet that day when, when it worked yeah. out. So an easy tip for meetings, and I, I use this for any meetings. If I'm going to schedule a speaking engagement, there's a speaking engagement tab I, that may be private on my calendar, um, but I have phone calls on there. Um, 
I have one-to-one meetings, which are fewer and far between today. But what Calendly can do for you is you can do a Zoom integration, which I use Zoom. And when somebody schedules a Calendly, it automatically creates a Zoom meeting, emails them the link. Um, I used a Zapier Zap with mine. So I get a text message when you schedule. Uh, I will talk on the email topic next because it's a great segue. So I, I don't really check my email very much during the day. I think email is one of the biggest time vampires. So I will utilize either a Facebook message or a text as a notifier. So I don't have to go into my email and that time vampire of email happens when you're distracted or, or you see something else or you make the decision or I make the decision to act on something that I don't need to act on right now because I saw it and it's going to bug me if I don't. So going back to what you said about the Calendly, yeah. uh, you put in a Zoom invitation um, yep. because of what was going on with Zoom recently. I left it open to the to the person that I was, you know. So mm -hmm. if I did play email ping pong, yep. which now that I uh, know that you can do that, um, I'm going to be changing how I'm sending my invites. So I used to use, I had a phone service. Um, so when I first, years ago, we had like, you didn't have a choice for a phone, but the Comcast, right? In the day of the internet, the IOT or internet of things, a lot of phone services went virtual. Ring Central came up with a virtual phone system that was over the internet. Um, there's a handful of products, Jive, Grasshopper. I used one that was a Ring Central uh, spinoff called Dialpad. Super cool service. Um, if you have multiple users, it, it, I think it's probably one of the best things for a multi-person environment. And it, it shifts the dynamic from this, mul this the multiple thousand dollar phone system to five to eight bucks per, per head for a ring central license, or sorry, a dial pad license. But the flexibility it gives you, you can transfer, you can see transcripts, you can get notifications, you can, you can link everything with a customer or client so you see all your communication. Um, some people in the real estate world that I've chatted with, I, I recommended this to them. I'm like, you know, I know, I know there's, you want to, you want to have this personal nature, this personal touch and this really, really super hands-on with them. But if you do some subtle things like using dial pad, you know, you, you take your compliance issues right off your table because dial pads going to, going to catalog everything to that content. So every text message, every email, every, every, every phone call, a, a, a recording of the phone call, hmm. right? Talk about an industry where you get into a, he said, she said, and you can just pull up the recording of the phone call and it's, it's game over, right? Whether it's a dispute or whether it's a recollection of a promise, um, which both are very valid in the business world, right? Somebody claims you did something that you don't think you did, or you made a promise that you forgot about and you didn't want to own it. You can go back and like check yourself and have some accountability. Um, anyway, back to Calendly. So, I used to use that service and it wasn't as simple to schedule with Calendly and um, uh, Dialpad. I had, I had a, a copied meeting identifier of the notes and they had to catch it in the note of the, the invite and, and you know, one, two, three, four steps. A lot of work where you probably saw with Calendly currently in Zoom, it, it gave you a link. You, it was a one click thing. There was no, you didn't have to do any work. I took all the work mm -hmm. out of it. Yeah, definitely um, easy. Yeah, and so that, that's really where Zoom steps in. What you can do, Calendly has a bunch of integrations, and I integrated um, with Zapier. I don't know if you ever use Zaps for things, but there's a free Zap. You can, I get a text message, so I know when you schedule. Whenever I check my email, which is usually in the afternoon or evening, um, I'll see your email, but I always get the text right away. I just see it. So one of my uh, coworkers that, introduced me to Calendly. He said in a prior job, he used to use Calendly all the time. Mm -hmm. It's the same industry he was in and it was amazing. And he stopped using it when he started working with our company and he just fired it back up again for, um, you know, for the latest, it's, I keep calling it, what's going on in the world, the latest pandemic. I mean, pandemic. <laughs> what, what do we want to call it? Um, I, I think, we, I think the best way to look at it is the, it's kind of the new normal, right? I mean, this is not yeah, a, that's, that's, I hate that because I don't want it to be the new normal, <laughs> but it's not the, the, the healthcare COVID crisis, the SARS COV 
two dash eighty seven whatever. Um, mm-hmm. We thought it would be, or we thought. Let me rephrase that. It had the appearance that it was going to be a short term discomfort, and uh, you know, a few weeks it'll we'll blow this thing by us. And and every couple weeks they're pushing everything out further you know out into july now on some elements a lot of social gathering elements are pretty much canceled for the year right i think tour de france is even canceled now they cancel oh my gosh that's gonna be another oh you just killed me right there sorry i mean i I do believe that the (laughs) tour de france is canceled this year um oh man yeah i mean there's some some big things that are sad but that yeah that that brings up what am i gonna do for july (laughs) <laughs> you're not going to get up at 4 a.m. to watch a race. That's what you're not going to do. <laughs> no, no, I guess not. Well, I mean, I got, I have no hockey. Usually it goes hockey till June and then the tour and then um, preseason football. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, that's, that's. Goodness. I bring up email. Um, I'm not, I, I shouldn't say I'm not a big email user. I use a ton of email, but like right now, since this morning, there's 272 messages in my inbox. Oh um, and just one. And so I was like, where's my phone? My phone tells me all of them at once. Uh, it's 599 across oh, a couple oh of inboxes. Yeah. So I, I tend to stay away from email more because of the distraction. So if you're on a multiple unit um, item, you have an assistant or you have um, a team that you're working on, whether it be a district manager, salespeople, whatever else, and you're not using Slack, I'd highly encourage you, especially in this transition, to get on Slack. Slack also has integrations to Calendly and Zapier and phone systems to really increase efficiency. But the purpose of Slack, and I started using Slack in 2016, 2015, um, it's really built for close-knit communication, which is where we used to use email and what makes email no longer efficient, right? So inside your company, you know, you're going to email Judy to, to take action on, on project ABC for customer DEF. So Judy goes in her email to do that, but then she sees four other things and next, you know, an hour later, she still hasn't done what you wanted because she got segued by these other items. Mm-hmm. Where in Slack, you can catalog by topic. So customer DEF is the, the, the channel or the category Judy's gonna get tagged in that, so she's only gonna see that. But it's very, very relevant communication in a very close-knit group. Right. Um. What's your thing? But the email thing is is absolutely correct. I mean, I'll go on to answer an email. Like this morning, I just got an email from a customer asking me for something, um, and then I noticed two other things that I hadn't got to yesterday. So yeah, uh, time vampire, as you called it, is the perfect uh, description of what it does for me. Yeah, and um, it's but hard. I'm not used to that. And it's just not something that we that I, I'm normally looking at this every, you know, once in a while. So correct, and and it changes when you're sitting at a desk, and and it's something that happens where it's uh it's something that we allow ourselves to do because we don't know any better or don't have the the willpower or fortitude to just go no I'm I'm not going to look at this right now, <laughs> right? Um, and some people get annoyed by it. There's a lot of people that get annoyed. Like, hey, I sent you an email at ten o'clock this morning, like. Why didn't you answer it? Because well, it wasn't yeah. important, right? It didn't need me at 10 a.m. this morning. I had other things that were more pressing. Well, we don't use the phone much anymore, do we? You know, it's easier no. to text or email or, you know, do we really want to have personal conf- you know, co- uh, contact? Oh, with man. The person, you know, it's, well, uh, don't get me started on that because I think I think Another some, rabbit hole, I know, I know. Well, I mean, there's, there's some e-communication that, like, there's a certain point in communicating where you need to not be texting. You really should reach out, have a five minute phone call. And um, it's a funny story. So I had sold an old Apple watch on Facebook marketplace, right? And the only way to communicate on that is the Facebook messenger. We were, Amy and I were looking, sorry, Amy's my wife for the audience who doesn't know. My wife's name is Amy. Um, uh, Amy and I, my wife and I were looking at historical bike rides uh, for training. And she's like, what were you doing that day? That is the weirdest. And I had to think about it. And what had happened was I had dropped this watch off to a guy. And the reason why is that in the de- the messaging delay back and forth, how inefficient the text message was, I literally burned almost an hour and a half with a simple 
do you want to buy this watch message? <laughs> Which totally screwed again, my ability to have a workout. Because it, it's, it, the exact same thing happens. Well, yeah. probably not just to you and I, but to everybody. Everybody. And he wouldn't call me. He wouldn't answer my call. Um, he'd only text back and forth. But that hour and a half time vampire completely ruined my ability to get a workout in. So the only time I had left, I literally rode to meet him to give him the watch and then rode back home. That was my workout. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, Slack. Slack's super, super handy. Um, I, I mentioned the real estate world. That's another environment where I've talked to a couple of real estate mortgage people for those same rationale and have suggested Slack for them. Like, I think it's one of the, if you're in the real estate business and you're listening to this, if you're in the finance industry and listening to this, obviously you have some potential compliantary issues and, you know, that's, that's for you to figure out in-house, not for me to solve here, but your ability to be so efficient and streamlined and collaborative. That's really what Slack allows is collaboration that's incredibly efficient. Uh, it, is, it is a very powerful tool. Um, so when Darren and I first started talking, uh, talking about the, the shift of the new now and into the, the prevalence of Zoom meetings, here's a couple of things I commented to him right off the bat. So he was talking to me somewhere on a computer. I could see it. But one of the things I brought up was, hey, here's, here's four quick things you can do right off the bat. If this was your meeting, that's going to change my view of you. And what I'm talking about is where he's sitting, his lighting, and how he positioned the room. So, and today, he's, he pointed out, uh, you may not have been recording at that point, pointed out to me, and I, I commented, hey, well done. It looks really good. So, Darren, what do you recall me uh, pointing out when I saw your environment? Well, I had the overhead light on, so that was uh, giving me a backlight sort of halo around my head, which mm -hmm. I normally have a halo anyway. But, um, <laughs> uh, the, um, the, the, there was a, a window off to the side, so mm -hmm. I kind of shifted my computer so that there was more lighting central on my face versus um, uh, uh, you know, on the side, and then uh, lights uh, behind me, which today I don't have, but I did turn off my overhead light. Yeah, no, and, it looks really uh, good. The doorway, the doorway had a bright light in it. And yep. I got uh, my cycling, uh, my cycling I saw that. guys up there. I, I am more a fan yeah. of, of personal effects around you than a big giant logo. I mean, people are talking to you on a Zoom meeting. They know who you are. You don't need to put 47 signs that say your company name and, you know, try to, try it's to strategically. interesting say that because we had a call. Yeah. Yeah, ahead, we had a meeting yesterday that they're they're trying they're talking about putting a custom uh, background so that we have something like that and and they figured out that they couldn't do it on Teams but they could do it on other other yeah. uh, uh, platforms. I think Zoom has I don't play with it that much but I believe Zoom has a background and you can change you know a virtual background behind you like a beach or something. I don't I don't use it. I talk in my office. For the audience that can't see, I have a bookshelf behind me and a couple of, of accent lights. Really, really simple, nothing, nothing elaborate. Um, but to give some specifics of what I saw when Darren was chatting with me is, is what he's talking about is, is light competition. The camera is going to pick up light to, to highlight things. And the more light that's going on, the more the camera is trying to, com the more light's competing for what's being lit and the camera can't quite figure it out of what to focus on. So you want to make you as well lit as possible. A couple quick, easy tips. Um, I will put a couple of um, YouTube videos for some, some creators that have some really good tips, short, short, five, 10 minute little videos, what you can do, because that's what they do. It's not what I do. Um, but you can use a simple, like a $49 LED light in front of you. And in, in the video world, that's called like a key light. You want a key light, that's your key light to light you up, just one light. Uh, you want to get super fancy, you can do some uh, hair light, which is from overhead. You can do a few things. Um, and then an accent light, something dim in the background. And if your room is darker, great. If you have a window in your room, set up your computer so the window's facing you. Now the natural light kind of becomes your key light. And you, you're making your job even easier now. You don't need to go and buy a, an LED to light your face. Um, the, we've all seen the ring lights, I assume probably $30 or $49 on Amazon. It's a really popular item. Um, I think they do okay, but I think you can probably buy a, a small rectangular, by small, I mean, I'm holding up my hands for Aaron, uh, a small rectangular, let's say it's maybe um, maybe four by eight. You can buy a little four by eight LED light on Amazon for $50 to $80, and they do a damn good job, and you can position them all over and, and do a lot with them. 
I think the light I use is, is larger, like the size of a 27 inch monitor. Um, and it maybe was a hundred dollars. It wasn't a fortune, but I have a remote with it and I can change the intensity of it, how bright or how dim it is based on light competition. Um, so that, that, what that lighting does to your zoom meeting is it, it makes you more personable. It, it draws you out. It, it's more engaging. You don't look like you're sitting in a dungeon <laughs> or a makeshift office, right? It's, if you're, if you're just having a face-to-face -face meeting on, you know, with cameras and everything, that's, I, I, that all that stuff worked great when I did that yesterday on mm -hmm. my team's meeting. And when you're having to show a product to somebody that also I noticed uh, yesterday morning, it helped quite a yep. bit. Um, I just had an informal meeting with a, with a friend of mine who's a physical therapist and I was just showing him a couple of products and it, it, the lighting did make a huge difference. So um, not only for face to face, but also for lighting up a product that you're trying to show. Yeah, totally, completely. So, and I, I have to apologize, Darren, I never gave you the, the, I don't know, you may not want to, but do you want to take like 10 seconds so the audience can relate? What do you do or what product do you um, sell? Oh, well, I like to say I'm a chiropractor, but uh, I, I still have a chiropractic license, but um, I, I moved into sales because um, I've been wearing a, an ankle foot orthosis or AFO brace for as long over as 10 know, years yeah. now um, yeah. for, yeah, for foot drop. And um, I've, I've been an ambassador for the company. I've done outreach for them. I've done uh, interviews for them on TV. And so um, I, cool. I, moved into being a district manager for, uh, for the Northwest. And, and let me back up a step. I mean, beyond you just using that, you are a Paralympic athlete, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, I didn't make the Paralympic uh, cycling team, but I did uh, attend world championships three, three times for Canada and uh, yeah. came in 10th, 6th, and 1st. So I have, a, I have some rainbow stripes. That's so that's we're going beyond here. Just somebody who uses a, a, a orthotic piece like this guy's an athlete at that level of the Olympic caliber potential. Like that's that's a big deal. It's not just I got a brace and I like it. So I'm going to go sell their product. So he's I, I interpret that to your life has been affected by the ailment and you, you've navigated ways to, to live. Absolutely. And if I didn't know the company prior you know, how, how great the owner is and how, uh, how he treats his, his employees, uh, probably never would have reached out to, to get a job from them. I, I mean, I've known the company for eight years now. Um, and so anyway, it's been, a, it's been a great experience and that's why I asked to join their, their team. That's been 15, 16 months now. Very cool. Do you want to name the company or you want to keep that like on the DL and. Oh no, it's, it's, uh, Allard USA. It's, uh, um, parent company is called Camp Scandinavia and they're based mm -hmm. in Sweden and I've been lucky enough to go to their uh, headquarters twice now and uh, seen their manufacturing process and uh, cool. each one of uh, the braces that I've had has a, s a serial number on it and that goes to uh, that can tell me who made the brace and so I was able to, to kind of go and see the area where my brace was made and the person that made mine wasn't working that day, so I didn't say thank you, but um, so, it's, so, uh, it's something that's been very helpful for me in my, my life, not only in athletics, but just so I don't trip walking down the street. So based in Sweden, are they made in Sweden then also? Is that what I heard? Yes, we have uh, manufacturing in Sweden, Belgium, and Ireland, actually. Wow. The, the, main, the headquarters is in Sweden. The owner okay. is in Sweden. But it's not like it's a you know made in Salvador or, or sorry, El Salvador nope. or made in China or anything like that, like, which is very common in the production nope. facility. Um, we do have um, we do have manufacturing in China for our soft goods. Um, so lately, those things are getting hard to, to get out of the country. <laughs> everybody does. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. So, well, thanks. Thanks for sharing. I'm glad you shared. I, I didn't want to... You know, rob you of the opportunity to give yourself a little press here. Um, so, but but the audience, the reason reason I brought that up is that I want you to have some relativity of what is he facing on a business basis. Like, what's his day mean? And it's probably a lot like a lot of us is that we are. And pardon this if you don't like this term, but we're kind of hand to hand combat, business to business, trying to um, get some FaceTime, develop a relationship, establish something on forward to transfer product or service, right? And, and, and again, that's new to me because 20 years 
actually 22 years now of being a chiropractor, I've sold my services. So I've had to sell something, but I've never had, I didn't have sales experience prior to this, but I do have a passion for the, for the brace that I wear. So I made yeah. it easier. So um, we chatted so far about efficient scheduling using Calendly, talked about Slack for communication. We talked about changing your lighting for your video conferences. Um, if you're using Zoom or whichever format, Uber conference, Zoom, Teams, uh, you know, pick your pain. There's, there's tons of them out there. One of the big takeaways that I heard from Darren after our conversation last was that I think this is a common, common struggle. It's like, what do I do? What do I do? How do I get through to people? How do I change? And he, Darren commented on sending an email and we'll get to that in a second, but actually let's right now, what did you change in your email that went from 300 to zero to hundreds and got seven responses? Honestly, uh, there was a similar email, um, but I think it got more hits because um, uh, because we've been delayed further out. I think more so it was to do with continuing education units, and we provide free continuing ed on our our, our website, and then we also have one of uh, our partners that we distribute for um, is doing one on one, uh, kind of like you and I are doing with a, a go to meeting. Yep. And so the one that I sent out was for Allard specific education. It's all on our website. You just have, and I sent a link to it. Um, the one that I sent out yesterday uh, was for a specific product that we are distributing for. It's not our product per se, but um, we are a distributor for. We're the only distributor in the U.S. for it. It's prosthetic socket, and all of our meetings that we normally get CEUs are are canceled. So, you know, people are you know, they need their CEUs before the end of the year. And so who knows when we're going to have another meeting. Our, our national meetings out to September have been canceled. So, yeah. yeah. So, so that's where people will get all their ACEUs for many years. I'm sorry, they have five years to get, oh gosh, I forget, a couple hundred hours or something like that. A couple hundred, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, I mean, I have one year to get 20 hours yeah. for, for chiropractic. So was if, that was that about something you saw in what your doctors or patients were looking for that you kind of changed your messaging or was it just I I used one of my coworkers messages that um he's a Texas area uh district manager and he sent me a sample of what he sent out and it it looked similar I changed a few words um but uh again I'm not sure why it uh, why it worked all of a sudden. Why it worked, but it, my, the one that I sent out two weeks ago, people were thinking we're going to be going back to work by now. Right. And sure. so maybe that didn't get as timing. much traction. So the other piece of timing that you didn't get to that I want to uh, touch on, you you can look at, is when did you send the email? Um, yesterday morning. So Tuesday, 9 a.m.-ish Pacific time? Uh, yeah, between 9 and 11, I forget. Okay. And then the previous email, do you remember when you sent that? Probably late afternoon. On a Friday? <laughs> no, I, I, I know better than that. Um, <laughs> speaking of that, I did ask our, our marketing person, when's the best time to post on, on any social media platform to get you know, responses, likes, whatever? And yes. she told me 10 and 3. Is that something? I, I, I don't know. It depends on your audience. That's what I heard. It and so this is, this is something that we talked about. Darren and I talked about our last conversation and, and it's a common question I get is not when to post, but how do you, like, how did you know? How do you know this? And you're only going to know if you do some studying on what works, which means you got to do it. You have to just, you know, throw, throw the dart in the dark and make a note, which, which is why I asked about your email. When did you send it? Maybe you want to make a spreadsheet on, on your, ta call it like tactics and have a tab that says email and you can put, I sent an email this date, this time, and this is what worked. This email, this date, this time, this is what worked. The next tab may be social posts and see what your engagement is. You're going to find your audience is going to be different than a, a fitness person's. You're, it's going to be different than a, um, a, an, an acupuncturist. It's going to be different than a massage person. It's going to be different than a credit card processor, right? While we're all dealing with people, their business and their day kind of depict some of their habits, right? And there, and there are some, some averages like lunchtime. 
right? If you hit somebody about 1130 to 1:30, you're pretty good, pretty good chance because if you ever been somewhere for lunch, almost everyone's eating with their phone out, scrolling through whatever's going on. I just noticed it was 11:30 that I sent that out yesterday. Gee. All right. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so th that tells you that at a downtime when somebody's potentially probably eating, you've got a high probability of getting through to them. And it's, it's about timing because they were sitting there, it popped up in the moment and they, you know, were in their email and you, you won the email of the day just by sheer timing. Yep. And the other ones I sent out at four o'clock, it wasn't on a Friday. That was Thursday. Yeah, which might as well have been might as well have been Saturday if you're saying it Thursday at four. It's, it's yeah. a lot, and there's the other piece like dentists, for example, uh, very common in the dental industry. They're off on Fridays, right? Yeah. So if you're sending something on Thursday after nine a.m., you're done. You might as well have not sent it. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are, are basically dead days, unless you have a, unless you've developed that relationship and you know that doctor is in the office doing blank on Fridays. I have a couple of dentists that are clients and I know, I know three of them, they are in the office on Friday from 7 a.m. and they try to be out by 11. So I know if I really want to get something directly in their eyes, I can send it at about 8.30 on a Friday and they're going to get it. That, now that's just something I know because I've developed that relationship level with them. So let's and go back five being steps. In practice, well, oh, being in practice before, I know that same idea. If I got an email and at the end of my day, I'm certainly not going to open it and it'll probably get buried by the next day. So yeah, that exactly. makes complete sense. But, you know, at the time, I'm just trying to get stuff out. And yeah. I had a financial advisor tell me, um, he's like, you know, at, everything you say makes a ton of sense. He's like, but the reality is I'm kind of in, I'm in the spray and pray Netflix and chill mode because... <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, yeah, and, that's... and that's a euphemism for taking business to the dating realm. He's like, yeah, I'm going straight to, Hey, let's, let's watch a Netflix movie with people because like it's some panic is setting in. Um, mm -hmm. So don't let that panic hit you. Like take a deep breath. And well, I've been trying to get up. Like normally my day starts whenever uh, an office would open. So if I'm on the road, yeah. I'll set my, try to get my first appointment for eight o'clock mm -hmm. and then, you know, try not to get anything much later than four. Sure. However, you know, when I'm looking at uh, doing these sorts of things, uh, because I'm sending out emails or developing emails, I'm getting up earlier, um, you know, that 7, 6.30 and, and starting working on that there. And, and I'm looking at LinkedIn at, at 6.30 or 6 o'clock on my phone. So um, i trying to get it. Yeah, trying to get it done earlier so, you know, that I can get into the nitty gritty and make phone calls when people are actually in the office. Yeah, I'll get half a dozen or more LinkedIn messages every night about seven o'clock. So you're not, you're not unusual in doing that. And my wife's like, why is your phone going nuts? I'm like, ah, it's just that time when these individuals are sitting down to get this part of their day done. It doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. um, but let's go back to your, when do you post thing is I, I would, I would play with it. Post some uh, around, look at the, what the industry is. Your industry is pretty unique and it's a podiatrist or a foot based doctor or a physical therapist post a little bit and see what, what works for the audience. And you may find certain segments have a greater ratio at certain times, meaning that like um, a doctor in a certain part of town or with a certain personality gets a more response at, a, at in the afternoon versus the morning for somebody else. You know, you, and you may not be able to pinpoint it that much. It may truly just be that's their lifestyle and, and there isn't a rhyme or a reason, but that's also gets back to don't always post 11 every single day. Um, Cause you, that, that won't work either. Sure. Uh, we talked about blast emails. I don't know if you're going to get to that, I was. but um, okay. Well, I'll let you, Bring, I'll no. let you go on then. No, dude. Only because um, experience wise with blast emails, like if I send these once a week or once every two weeks, I'm, I'm sure that some of my, customers are going to get eventually tired of seeing my name. And then when something important has come along, when, you know, when we're, it's going to, yeah, it's going to go way out. Uh, you know, it's going to get lost. Yep. And for those who couldn't see, that was me moving my hand over the top of my head, like, like an airplane <laughs> flying by. Yes. Whoosh. So blast emails, man. And this kind of goes honestly to the thesis of this podcast. And I made this podcast. This is my second iteration. My first one totally bombed. Ton of fun to do. But I, I said to myself that every podcast episode, I'm looking to deliver 
this is, this is my kind of my catchphrase. I want an actionable insight that a listener can apply to their business right now today. That, that mindset, if you can deliver something like that, shift your blast email, which most people send out total shit in blast emails. 99% of blast emails I get are just garbage. Now for me, it's good prospecting because I can send a reply back like, hey, would you like to have an improved ratio? Um, <laughs> but the inverse happens that the mindset's wrong. So if your blast email mindset is what, what can I give away? Not what can I ask them to buy or what can I ask for a meeting? What can I give them that they can improve getting their goal today? And I, I use that phrase, how they can improve their goal. So it's not what you want them to do or you want them to go, but now you're trying to put yourself in their shoes and think like them, like what, what do they want to do or what is their goal? Uh, and, and that's in your blast, you're going to have an increased uptick right away. Uh, subject line is also key. I'm yes. trying to look at like you, you want it to grab them, but you don't want it to look like a spam email. Correct. And you know, I, I I've, I've tried three or four different ways of, of uh, doing that. And if you get too many words, also it's, the, especially if they're looking at it on their phone, they're not gonna see Correct. the entire context of the subject. Yep. And you don't know if they have um, various different devices or apps, you can have a, a teaser of the part of the um, message. So you have the subject and then you have like a, a description that can go in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, so like Gmail, the Gmail iOS app does that. But if you have super fine or super large print, it goes away. So you gotta kind of play with that too because the font size on their device and or the app they're using is gonna depict how much shows. But you're right on. The, your subject needs to be a hook or a call to action of why they'd wanna open. And if you think about most people's subject lines, like here's the worst subject line. I don't know if I said this in one of my previous podcasts, but follow up, just following up. Don't ever, ever, ever send an email <laughs> with a subject following up because it, it, it just, it says, please archive me, please delete me. I'm, I don't, there's no need to open me. There's nothing of value in this message because all I'm doing is bothering you. There's a million other ways to, to subject a follow-up intention. Um, like maybe, you know, should I leave you alone? I'd open that. If you sent me a subject that said, should I leave you alone? I'd be like, well, what happened? Like, what's going on? Uh, that's a good one. I never thought about that one. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, so that's part of emails is, is that you're, you're doing a follow-up. You know, you send something out, you're following up. Um, the other piece becomes back to your, your question of a blast. It's, it's got to be a hook. And if you're putting something of value that they want to get. So I worked up for a client of mine on um, an email blast going out to their customer base because they're trying to improve uh, they're having a hard time doing social just because of time and, and um, yeah, really just time, honestly. But part of it is a content trouble, which we talked about, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, and so we develop a strategy to send a, an email blast to their client base to get user-generated content. You know, the best stuff, the best things you have from an engagement is something that's done by somebody else, not by you. Well, let's gain that. And, and the subject line was simply, would you like your next product free? I'm gonna open that. Yeah, definitely. Not like, please post about us or we're running a contest or, you know, it's, it's simply, do you want your next product free? Click, <laughs> right? And the click ratio on that email is super, super high. I, I haven't looked at it since yesterday, but I wanna say it's probably near eight, 80 plus percent. Cause everybody, I, we've piqued their interest. Everybody wants something for free, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and this goes into some other elements that, and this was a large discussion with the client is that, um, you get in this crux between discounting and, and free. And I am not a big fan of discounting because I think that you, if you win them on price, you lose them on price. So if you're going to discount something, you, you, you sometimes get problem customers or, or people that get addicted to a discount. So only going to take action or do something when there's a discount, like when you're giving up money. And my position is, so you know, just give it free. Nobody gets addicted to free. They almost feel guilty you're probably more likely to gain more from a, a return perspective of, of client loyalty or whatever else, because it's just, it's totally free. There's no strings attached. There's no, you got to wait for the next discount. It's free. Now, they can't give it free to everyone, but you know, it, it shifts the dynamic when 
you're instead of doing a 20, 30, 40% off, it's you have a, you know, one or two and 50 chance or a hundred chance of getting it free. My two cents. Makes sense. So you know, going back to that, when I was in practice, um, you know, I'd see people and I, you know, give them the good guy discount or I, I just do it because I like, I enjoy taking care of people. Yeah. Um, that oftentimes came back to bite me. Almost always. Yeah. Because, you know, they're not seeing any value in what I do for them. Yeah. If you, so, if you just, you know, the good guy discount's tough. If you just do it maybe once in a while for free or something, or, or there's an exchange, I think you get more miles out of that than, than the, the, um, lowering your value of what your deliverable is. But yeah. your question was about a blast email and how do you make it better? It, it, a lot of it is in your subject and the hook that's going to get them to open. And if your email is about a value to them that they can do right now today, the hook should be easy and it should be really easy to narrate or, or, um, what is, what is the copy you're going to put in that subject line that gets them to want to open it? And if you have to think selfishly, yet not selfishly for you, but selfishly for them, if I was in their shoes, what would I read that would make me go? Yes. <clears throat> um, I saw a really good email message the other day. It made me laugh, but I also opened it. Uh, let me see if I can find it because it was actually, it was pretty good. And the, 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 um, the point was that they had given everything away or, or ran out of something, but if I still want it, they're going to do it again. And I, and I pardon the listeners for me screwing up this, what the subject was, but think about the point of that is that the, the copy in that email subject, I instantly had a fear of loss and I recognized it as soon as I read it. Like I read this email, like, oh, that's good. I'm already, I'm already feeling lost that I didn't get something. But in the same token, they're telling me, but if I still want it, they'll, they'll do it. I opened it. Almost, almost sold out, but you can get yours. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't like almost sold out. It was like, hey, we did it. We completely sold out of this. You know, you missed out. We totally sold out of it. I'm like, oh man, I clicked it without even reading. But then the first line of the email was, however, it's so popular. We still want it. We are willing to do it for you again. I'm like, ooh, that was good. Like that was really good. <laughs> right? I like so, that. I really yeah. do. So you know, think about in their shoes, what's gonna cause them to take action? And you don't you you maybe want to give away what your um what your item is in the email. You don't have to play spammy super double secret, but you you have to be you have to be creative. You have to think like, you know, what's gonna what's gonna move the needle on this? Um, and let's take that and go into the secondary piece that you and I talked about, or the kind of the last piece, the final, what I would say is the coup de gras. We spend a bulk of our time talking, Darren was asking about, okay, so what do I post? How do I do? What about what? Like, what do I do? And I brought up a handful of things to Darren that he was totally unaware of. And a lot of this is what I would say is um, not business failure, but it's just, it's the state of business. They, they, they have articles or content and they share them out or they, put them out there, but they're not really spending a lot of time diving into what the audience or what their customer wants, right? So I point out to Darren a handful of things. One, which I love, and I'll put a link below in the show notes, uh, Answer the Public. If you never use Answer the Public, it is a, a sounder. I don't know if you know what that is. BuzzSumo does one. There's a couple others out there. We used to use BuzzSumo. Really, really good product. But you go into Answer the Public, and Darren, do you remember what we searched for? We searched for foot drop and we searched for AFO, which is AFO. our primary, yeah. uh, our primary uh, product. So we searched for foot drop and I've done this for a mortgage person. I, I use that as a, a, another example, but Darren's specific product, one of his products uh, deals with a condition called foot drop. So we typed that in to answer the public and it gave him a list of like, I don't know, 12 or 15 different things that people with that condition are searching for on the internet. So yeah, the that same thing and I saved it, so. Yeah. And you can save it. You can export the CSV. They have graphs that you can export the images. I mean, what they do on Answer the Public is so, so cool. But what it does for you is it allows you to create content with exactly what people are looking for. Like, it, like I, one of the big ones I remember in yours was the question of, is it curable or what happens after treatment? 
Darren can make two, three, four pieces of content about the, the, that, that specific question, the curability or the rehab or post rehab with foot drop. And you can have, you can have four static pieces of content and you can break each one up into different segments. And next thing you know, you have 12 pieces of content you can put across four or five different platforms just by. One thing that we didn't talk about with regards to content is if I'm posting on LinkedIn or I'm I'm looking for a half a dozen paragraphs, two or three lines. I mean, yes, 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 yes. We never talked about that. Yeah. Um, Yes. Is the answer to all the above. You want to try, you want to try a little bit of each, right? So, so there's two factors going into LinkedIn and especially in the B2B world, you have a LinkedIn post, which is similar to like a Facebook update. That's usually the most uh, linear comparison. Like, oh, I'm gonna make a Facebook post is very similar to a LinkedIn post. A lot of the same buttons, the same kind of look to that paragraph you can type into. And then you have a LinkedIn article. So I would say your shorter post, which is maybe a couple of paragraphs, is a post on LinkedIn. I would almost encourage everyone, especially if you're in the B2B um, world from a, a, a prospecting or customer standpoint, everything you should do on LinkedIn should be about making an article. So take, take your, here, and here's how I do a LinkedIn article. Um, I'm just probably may not surprise some, I record it voice-wise. I hate writing, it takes me forever to write something out, but I love to talk. So if I'm in my car, if I'm at my desk, I will turn on a voice memo in my car. I keep a tip for everyone. Go on to amazon.com, buy a Comica or a Rode lav mic. I have one in the armrest of my car. Plug in the microphone into my uh, phone, clip it on my seatbelt or on my collar, and I start talking. Whatever, whatever is on my mind about the topic just goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on sometimes too long. Um, <laughs> but... What, what ends up happening is that it's two minutes, four minutes, 12 minutes, 18 minutes sometimes um, in my car, right? So I have a voice memo. I go to a service called Temi, T-E-M-I. There are four or six or seven. It's less than a dime a minute. It's super ridiculously cheap. Uh, I transfer that voice memo file to Temi. And in about three minutes, I get an email of the transcription. Copy paste. Takes me about 10 minutes to then edit where it missed what I was saying because I may talk fast or I mumble or whatever was happening. Uh, and I maybe polish it a little bit, but I spent a total of 15 minutes writing an article where I would have spent an hour and a half typing it out, making a typo, reading it again, going back through it. You know, we've all, we've all crafted that perfect email and spent an hour and a half doing it. Everybody's dead. <laughs> Nobody I know has not ever done that. So if you can take that hour and a half perfectly crafted masterpiece of, of waxing poetic and you can cut it down to 10 minutes, you radically increase your productivity. So that's how I make an article. Sounds a lot easier. Yeah. And then, you know, you can get a little bit um, creative. Like if you're going to do an article, you need to have some assets and an asset, maybe a visual or a graphic in there. So if you aren't subscribing to an asset service, so here's what you don't want to do. You don't ever want to use a Jiffy image. Um, so if you go onto you know, Google images and search for something like, oh, I'm going to use that. Jiffy has a team of maybe 10 or 30 people that all they do is comb the internet for somebody who's using their items without a paid for license and they just send you a bill. They're super aggressive. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And, and they, they, they look on blogs, they look on websites, they look on, um, they try to get an email list. They, they're aggressive um, because that asset, that visual asset they've, they've curated and paid for, that's their asset and they're maximizing it. Um, and I've seen some businesses get hit with big fees and they just, they just send you a bill for five, 10 grand. So now you're wow. in the position to have to argue with them that it shouldn't be five or 10 grand and they can send you to collections and it's, it's ugly. So, don't use Jiffy, um, but there's a good cause to subscribe to. I use Shutterstock. Um, one, two, three RF is another good service. Um, man, who did I? I used somebody before Shutterstock, and I can't remember who it was. But they're basically they're they're stock. Um, uh, they're portals that you pay a membership fee per month to use given images of, and you can grab graphics and stuff out of them. So. I've recorded my article for LinkedIn. I've trans, 
transcribed it. I've copied and pasted it. I polished it up. And then I read through it. And I'm like, this is a, this is a good break. If you're having a conversation where you'd pause, take a breath maybe is a place to put a graphic in. So I'll put a graphic that's relevant to the topic in the image, in, in the article. It breaks up um, what your eye is used to looking at, right? If you go to kgw.com and read the news, there isn't, well, there's now 97 ads that are totally annoying. But <laughs> <laughs> when you read the newspaper or an article or, um, or Oregon, Oregon Live or, or any CNN, you're going to see a breakup of the information with visual assets or misdirection, which are ads. So we're used to it. Like we expect to see it. We expect to see um, part of it's going to be what catches our eye. Like, oh, I'm going to read more about this because there's this graph that shows something growing and what's going on. Like, oh, that's good stuff, right? That's another hook. It's another thing to bring them in and, and read them through it. Um, I had a client who uh, wrote a couple of articles. He's having a challenge with, uh, I don't want to say engagement, but the, our perception was that people weren't reading them. So I took an article and we broke it up. And this is a, this is a tip for everyone here. We took an article and I broke it up into um, like three. I, I didn't want any single paragraph more than three lines. So when you look at the whole page, it's like 150 three-line things down the page. But we had uh, like the amount of time people spent reading it was far greater. And when we we're talking about it, he's like, okay, what, what happened there? And here was my, here was my thought process is that if you look at an article and, and the way he was posting stuff was big, giant chunks of words. So he had like three paragraphs, but it's like an entire page. <laughs> it's an entire page of words and you'd scroll down to another entire page of words and people get in their mind, oh, too long, I'm not gonna read it. I'll, I'll get to that later when I can focus. So by breaking it up, we asked, we had a sample that went out and I asked, I was like, did everybody read it? And everybody replied, yes, I read every single word. What'd you think? It was really good. The change happened is that when they looked at it, it wasn't overwhelming. They weren't overwhelmed by giant blocks of words. It looked like, it looked like a text message is what it looked like. It looked like, like two lines, two lines, two lines, two lines, two lines, and everybody wants to read a text conversation. Yeah. Pictures are definitely a good way to break things up. I yeah. mean, honestly, uh, if I read a book, I'll stop, you know, after reading a, a few chapters and I'll go to the picture section and see, you know, yeah. uh, lately I've been reading a lot of biographies. So I'm looking at, you know, pictures of the author and that kind of stuff. So, sure. so when your, your question was LinkedIn posting, what do, what do I, how do I, what do I, and the answer is yes. And so if you have that article, what I would do is I would make a couple of key points to it. The real, maybe the meat or the teaser, right? Um, You've you've heard that the maybe you haven't heard this. There's a saying or or there's a there's a belief I, I subscribe to that I think as well is don't stop a Netflix episode at the end. And, and the reason why is that you're gonna want to watch the next one, and next uh, yeah. thing you know, it's one in the morning. <laughs> like last right? night, for example. See, and and you laugh because yeah. I'm totally right. But so exactly. stop in the middle. Now, in your LinkedIn post, you want to put the end of your Netflix episode. You want that cliffhanger so they want to go read the article. So I would make your article, make your LinkedIn article that you're going to post in an article format. And I would have your post um, kind of the hook of what the teaser is and then leave the cliffhanger. Leave the cliffhanger that makes them want to know more. So what's going to pique my interest? What makes me want to read more? That goes in my post and it's usually pretty short. <clears throat> Some, something else that we chatted about from the content standpoint. So we have answer the public to find out what people want to know. There's other, other services, BuzzSumo, there's, there's tons of them. Google, Google it, you'll find it. Um, but I will link the answer the public below because that's my favorite. And it's a freemium product, which means you can get a couple for free, but if you want a whole bunch, you gotta pay for it. And I don't own the company, it's not my making. You know, use it as you can. Um, the next piece becomes hashtags. Darren and I had a, we had a long conversation about hashtag and hashtag search. And one of the common mistakes I see about hashtags is that they're, they're relevant in your eyes. Like, you know, Ballard, Allard USA was a hashtag that Darren's company uses. There's a couple others. But what they're not doing is because not that many people follow Allard USA, they're not helping you game people seeing what you do. So when you're using hashtags, you need to use topic relevant or 
things that are going to pull information in from that topic, which means you got to do some research. There's hashtag searchers out there. I used to use a couple. I now just do my own hashtag research either with Twitter or using Instagram. Two really good sources for hashtags because they give you how people follow it. They give you how much posting is out about the hashtag, right? Um, and that will help as you're posting and as you're writing an article. And those hashtags go in both, a post and an article. Those are gonna help you get more eyeballs on your content. So if you're regularly creating the content, which is the real topic of this, is that you have some downtime because you're not out driving all over town, you know, make the content. Look up what people want to see and make your content. Hashtag it well so people see it. And you're now going to have a, a slow uptick as long as you keep doing it. And, and maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once a day. As long as you keep doing it, you're going to have an uptick in uh, people that see what you do. And LinkedIn, for the B2B person, LinkedIn is going to game. LinkedIn's business is to keep people on the platform. So if you're helping LinkedIn keep people on the platform by making content, LinkedIn's going to game what you do and show it to more people. So I'm just looking at my LinkedIn account. It says your post has 14 views so far. This was yesterday. Yeah. Try mentioning someone in a comment to get the conversation going. And then I, I did three or four hashtags. So mm -hmm. mentioning someone, I haven't done that before. Okay. Um, is that something that you have experience with or? Um, I ha I do mention people. I do suggest it. I don't know if I don't know if I would just pull somebody out of a hat and mention them in this tag to to gamify it without knowing the relevance because now you seem sleazy, right? But sure. here's a, here's a great example. Let's say you 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 know I've known Darren. Geez, how long have I known you? Ten years, He's, maybe longer. Yeah. Ten, twelve. Anyway. He, so he knows a reasonable bit about me. We're, I would say we're pretty good friends. Um, if he came across an article about things that he knows I like, maybe he found something about whiskey. Maybe he found something about wine. Maybe he found something, okay, I'm not an alcoholic. Maybe he found something, <laughs> maybe he found something about bicycling. We'll share that. Though. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't edit these, so that's, that's going on in the air. Um, maybe he found an, uh, something on LinkedIn about a new coaching system or a new piece of software or something marketing related. That's a great point where you can go, you know, hey, at Brian Englehard, what do you think about this? And I think there is the magic is that one, there's some relevance because you know enough about me to know that I, I would potentially care, but you're also now just not just mentioning me and you'll see in comments people who put just the, the at Brian Englehard, but you're gamifying, not gamifying, you're encouraging me to give my opinion, right? Everybody wants to give their opinion. Yeah. Everybody. I made a damn podcast. I'd love to give my opinion. <laughs> so uh, when you tag me in something relevant that I may like, and you, you, you game me like, you know, hook in the mouth, fish hook, right? Like, what do you think of this? Would you use this? Would, have you tried this? Is this better than blank? Ooh, there's a good one. Is this better than blank? Should I do this or that? Your odds in having somebody then engage you on that is so, so high. And that's the piece that really helps what you do is when you're putting something out there and you get some eyeballs on it, especially if it's greater eyeballs than previous eyeballs. And then you're commenting to somebody and they come in and they start a conversation in and you can keep that conversation going two, three, four, right? And man, caught this, I kind of did it to you on our Instagram post. How many conversations did we have in an Instagram post back and forth? Four or five. Four or five. Yeah. 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 And now you see more of my stuff on Instagram than you used to. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's, you know, and I, I was genuinely answering your question about wh where the ride was and what was it about. But I also know just by the nature of how my brain works and I, it's kind of autopilot. I'm going to do this automatically. And that's the point. If you're on LinkedIn and you do tag someone and it's relevant and you get them in conversation and you keep the conversation going, well, now they're more in your sphere. I mean, you listen to my podcast and two weeks ago, you probably never thought of doing one. And I'm like, yeah, let's do a podcast. It'd be awesome. Yeah, I definitely never thought about it, um, but I'm happy to be here though. Um, cool. Um, I just want to thank the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I haven't had my 15 minutes of fame for a while. I used to, uh, 
uh, when we had the rock and roll uh, marathon here, half marathon, I, I was on oh, TV every year for like four years um, during that time, three or four different avenues, whether it was print or whether it was the news. But uh, that was a cool marathon. I think that it was, was, it was kind of fun. Is that, is that franchise still exist else? Other parts of the country is just probably oh, yeah. that? Seattle okay. has it. Uh, the Bay area has a couple. Uh, yeah. They're, they're all over, but uh, Portland just, you know, people in Portland, as you know, whether it's the, if the, people want to exercise in big groups, uh, the people of Portland don't seem to like that, no. especially the drivers. Nope. nope. If it was a naked bike ride or a pot festival, dude, they're yeah. all over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they canceled the naked bike ride, but they encourage people to go out and do their own thing. Right. Just wear clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Well, Darren, is there anything else that you think I missed that we covered that was a value to you last time we chatted? Uh, no, I'm looking at my notes and everything that we, uh, we just went over today is, cool. uh, you know, we, you gave me more information. So I've got another two pages of notes, which is great. Nice. So I'm going to start developing more content as uh, the, the kids say these days. That's right. And well, uh, try to get some stuff on LinkedIn and, and get some more engagement. I mean, it, it it's, it's not something that I'm used to. I'm used to going out and talking to people like you. You talk. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy showing somebody the, the product that I wear that I'm very passionate about. And, you know, the company is, as I said, is, is amazing. So I think, I think um, you can do all that in the digital realm. It just takes a little bit more. Like you, you don't get the personal touch of conversation where somebody's like, oh, man, I really like you. I want to talk to you more. You've got to put out probably two, three, or four pieces of content that then has them like, okay, I really want to see what this guy has to say. Like I have people who probably hate my podcast. I've got a handful of people that really love it. Yeah. You know, and well, I will apologize. It's mindset. It's mindset change. Sure. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> yeah. And, well, I will apologize to some listeners because I have not had an episode in a couple of weeks. Um, I had a stage fright guest. I had a guest no show. Uh, so, you know, I, I, will, I will eat some of my medicine that uh, I was not regularly putting out. I try to put out one a week. So that, that happens, but neither here nor there. Um, last tip for you is you're, you're on a laptop, right? Uh, yes. Is your laptop sitting on the tabletop? It is. Get a box. Like but I wish I, I could turn my camera around and show you my, my um, computer itself sits on a box. If you, well, now I can see your dog kennel, but if you have, so my camera that you can see and, and audience, I apologize. It's a podcast. You don't get the, the pleasure of video, uh, which I am. You know, uh, my camera is slightly above my eye level, slightly. And if I lower it a little bit to eye level, like let me raise myself, it's not bad, um, but it's it's above eye level and it's pointed down a little bit. You have a, your laptop has the lid, which is going to move and change the camera angle. Um, it, it, it's viewing with you is similar to when you're sitting below someone and I'm looking up. It's just that it's not what I'm used to seeing if I was at the table with you, right? So makes sense. Just, just an observation. One, good, one other good tip. I'm gonna, so I shared these with my coworkers and, oh. and you know, they seem to be pretty happy with some of the nice. tips that I gave them. So. Well, now you can send them all this podcast episodes. Say, hey, look, check it out. The only, the Portland business podcast I'm on it talking about how we can do better. Awesome. Darren, Thanks, thank you very man, much. I, I really appreciate it. And you have a great day. Me on. It was, it's been a lot of fun. Talk yeah. to you soon. All right.